0: Welcome to the Mapped Out Money Podcast, where we help you understand finance and manage your money so you can get on with living your adventure. You're listening to episode number 54.
1: And today's episode is sponsored by the Mapped Out Money resources page. So this is a list of Hannah and I's favorite books, podcasts, uh, YouTubers, and even some products and software tools that we use and love in our personal finances and other self-development. It's all the things that we would recommend. And if you go to that page and you click on especially the book links, most of those there are Amazon affiliate links. And so it's actually a way for you to support us. If you go there and use that link to purchase anything on Amazon, we get a little bit of kickback and we would really, really appreciate it. So if it sounds like something that you would like to do, either check out our resources or support the show, go to mappedoutmoney.com forward slash resources.
0: Today's episode is inspired by um, an article that you found, Nick, from, how do you say his name? Is that Nate Soar?
1: So, uh, I don't know if it's Sore or Sores. I'm I'm not sure.
0: I don't know. Now I want to call him S- Nate Soire because Soaray. No, Soaray. That's a word. What did you just say?
1: Soaray. Uh No, it's S-O-A-R-E.
0: So, however you want to say that word. And do you follow him? I'd never heard of him.
1: Uh, No, he, um, Nat Eliason and Nat's, um, weekly email newsletter had sent out this article. Um, that's how I found it.
0: Okay. Does, does he have a claim to fame that anybody would be interested in?
1: Uh, he is big in artificial intelligence and machine learning. So he's like a big, um, sort of scientist data guy and, uh, works for an AI company.
0: Okay. All right. That explains why I've never heard of him.
1: (laughs) Anyways, he has this great article called Obvious Advice, and um, we thought we'd just actually open by reading it, and then we'll we'll relate this all to finance and everything else uh, like we always try to.
0: Well, before you start reading it, I do want to say that I feel like me and you particularly identify with this article because we are masters at overcomplicating everything. And I know that we've said that on this podcast before, but it is so true. So I was reading this like, man, I need this, like, plastered on my forehead
1: i felt the same way well and this article was written in 2015 and so part of me was like dang why am i just now reading this article yeah so here's uh here's the intro to the article obvious advice this is a common scene at the m-i-r-i offices i have a decision to make like what sort of winter fundraiser to run before making any choices i take a few minutes to write down all the obvious things to do before making the decision Spend five minutes brainstorming options before weighing any of the pros or cons. Talk to people who've run different types of fundraisers in similar situations, and so on. I can usually generate a handful of obvious things to do before making my decision. I write down those things, and then I describe my decision to one of my advisors to see if they have any advice. They say, quote, only the obvious, and then rattle off five more obvious things that I hadn't even thought of, all of them useful. Sometimes I wonder how successful a person would be if they just did all the obvious things in pursuit of their goals. So with that in mind, allow me to offer some quite obvious pieces of advice, which have proven very useful to me. Before carrying out a plan, actually do the obvious things. When you're about to make a big decision, pause and ask yourself what obvious things a reasonable person would do before making this sort of decision. Would they spend a full 5 minutes? Brainstorming alternative options before settling on a decision? Would they consult friends or advisors? Would they do some particular type of research? Then actually do the obvious things. A corollary to this advice is to also occasionally consider not doing things the wrong way. Imagine someone who's recently failed at an endeavor that was important to them. They're fraught with despair, and you attempt to console them by saying, Well, at least you learned something. They snap back. Yeah, I learned never to try hard things again. This may be just an emotional outburst, yes. But if they act upon this outburst and withdraw and become less curious and become more bitter, then they're in solid need of the above corollary. In fact, the middle of the emotional outburst is one of the best times to use this corollary. I have often myself found it useful mid-hasty decision to pause, reflect, and ask myself, Wait, is this a terrible plan? And then if the answer is yes, I don't carry out the plan. A crucial step. He then goes on to talk about all kinds of different examples and really flesh this out in in great detail. I think the uh, the article is great. and I really do think that um, if you're at all interested in this, you should go read this. We'll link to it in the show notes.
0: One of the things that this article made me think of is I wish we had read this before we were buying our house. Yes. Um, Because I think that house buying process is a great example of like your emotions run high, you kind of get overwhelmed with just all the options and possibilities that are out there. So much about the home buying process feels kind of backwards, like, oh, you have to put in an offer before you can get, you know, the home inspection and see what you're actually dealing with and all this stuff. So it's like, it's hard to logically assess like what's going on and make informed decisions to me. And so I think this article about, okay, like step away and like think about, think about the obvious things here. Um, I think that's a good example of somewhere that it's very easy to get bogged down and to not think about the obvious.
1: Well, and and how many times um, we can all think of examples of just about any area of our life. Whenever you've asked someone for advice on something and then they say something and you're like, Oh my gosh, duh. Like I think about this all the time when editing something or asking for help editing something. Like if I write something up or write an email or make something and then I give it to you especially, you're like immediately able to find four different things that, you know, don't make sense or could be slightly changed or adjusted or whatever. And when you say it, it's like, oh yeah, duh. Why didn't I make those edits? And what I love about this article is it's not saying don't ever go and ask for advice and get coaching on something. It's just saying, hey, before you do that, try to almost coach yourself, if you will, by asking, what the obvious thing is and use that as an extra filter in your decision making.
0: I also thought about how often have I not said something to somebody because I felt like, oh, well, they're going to think I'm stupid if I say that because it's so obvious. Yeah. But everything is not always obvious to all of us. And I know you do that a ton, like where you will analyze something in a very obvious way to you and it will make so much sense after you say it. But I've literally never thought about it that way.
1: Yeah. What I loved about this was the idea of building this as a habit that you just do reflexively. Like He goes on and talks about this in a, a few different ways. But even in the opening paragraph, he he basically says, like, look, here's a typical scenario. I'm trying to make this decision. And so I pause and first list off all the obvious things. And what this episode is really about is how important this is. And then also, how can we make this a go-to habit that we do Consistently.
0: Along those lines, I wanted to pull out what he said later in the article about five-second level skills. Yeah. So that goes right in line with what you were talking about, um, making it a habit. So um, this is just another excerpt from his article. He says, One example of a five-second level skill is the skill of encountering a new problem and reflexively starting to list obvious preparations or noticing an emotional outburst and reflexively taking a step back and checking whether your current plan is terrible.
1: Yeah. I love that five second level skill and just building that reflex. And to your point about the housing thing, one of, like you said, the problems with buying a house is that you put in an offer before you know the true inspection. And so then you you have all this sort of like emotional sunk cost in the house. And then if you get a really bad inspection back, it's hard to walk away or to change direction. But you need to be able to reflexively say whoa 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 let's back up. Is this a terrible plan? You know, and like ask ask that question, and don't just blindly keep being like, well, we're already this far. Let's yes I'm cruising.
0: Yeah, I love the last part of that. Like you said, like is this a terrible plan? I think that's such a good question to ask yourself. That that's what I think about too. Like when I chose PT as as a profession, and like didn't think about about it until i was graduated you know um i wish i had asked myself in like i don't know maybe 10th grade like wait a minute (laughs) is this a terrible plan to like not reassess and like think about this again maybe now that i'm a little bit closer to like actually going to college i don't know yeah
1: no i love that too and it's um we talked a little bit about this before but um it reminds me of jocko willink's detach You know, he talks about it in a military setting, right? When you're in the heat of battle and the the fog of war and uh, there's machine gun fire and all this crazy stuff going on and people are yelling and hollering and, you know, people getting shot at. You have to be able to pull your head up, sort of detach from the situation, try to be objective and look around you and observe and understand what's going on and then try to make the best decision Possible, but the only way to do that is to not let your emotions get the best of you. You have to detach.
0: I like um, in in that video when he talks about it in more of kind of like your everyday type of setting, and maybe you're in a conversation or situation where you're you're getting really heated over something. I mean, this comes up all the time. Like if you're married, if you're in yep. a heated conversation with your spouse, and. Um, detaching and asking yourself, do I sound like a rational human? Like, that's what he says in the in the video. And I think that is so funny like, because... Listen,
1: listen to the words coming out of your mouth. Yes. Do you, do you sound like a sane person? Yeah.
0: Oh, and I there are so many times when we've been fighting and like, I know that I don't sound like a rational human, but it's <laughs> like... <laughs> like having it, like going back to making it a habit, making that habit so like ingrained in you where you do ask yourself, is what I'm doing a terrible plan? Do I sound like a rational human? Is there an obvious solution to this problem that I'm all heated up over right now? It has to be ingrained because otherwise when you're in those scenarios, like at least speaking for myself, I don't care enough to analyze any. I almost don't want to. Yeah. If if I haven't been like actually practicing making that part of of a habitual thing that I do. Yeah. Um because otherwise I'm just like so mad and so angry. I'm like, I don't want to be rational. I just want to be mad.
1: Yeah. Well it's like so on that video too, he says, uh he says, you know, look for the emotional quicksand and then don't step in it. And it's like when you're when you're in the heat of the moment Sometimes you just want to dive head first in that emotional quicksand. I was about to
0: say, how many marriages can be saved by that sentence right there? (laughs) Uh,
1: Yeah, so it's it's like two things, right? And this goes back to the article. Like the first thing is, first you got to be aware. Like where is the, oh, there's the quicksand. There's the emotional quicksand. But then the second (laughs) step is you actually have to not step in it. Uh, You have to be aware of it, but then you have to still choose like, man, I'm not going to step in that this time. Yep. So if we're convinced that this is a good, a good practice, right? Being able to sort of pause, detach and ask what's the obvious advice here. Um, and we think that this is something we want to start to build a reflex. We want to build the next question is like, okay, well, if I'm not doing that right now, how do I actually start to build this as a reflex that I'm doing regularly?
0: Yeah. And so he actually has three action steps in his article. And so we want to just start there and then, um, Then we'll kind of add our our take and the kind of a financial perspective on it after we cover his three steps. So the first one is to spend five minutes generating examples of decisions you made in the past where it would have been helpful to do the obvious things first. Then spend five minutes examining those and looking for patterns. One thing that this makes me think of is I just moved out of my dorm and into my own apartment, didn't have a roommate or anything. And I was getting my cable and internet set up. The guy leaves and I try to get on the internet or whatever. And like nothing is working. Okay. And so I call him back and they like come back or whatever. And are looking through all this stuff. And he spends like all this time, like trying to troubleshoot and whatever. And then we end up realizing there was one thing that was not plugged in. <laughs> and that that was like the source of like everything you know not working or whatever and so i was like oh my gosh i am so sorry i should have checked that before i called you and he was like well don't be sorry because i should have checked that 45 minutes ago like it just took us both you know that long to figure that out so i don't know that was just an example that that i thought of like okay what's an obvious thing to check right now
1: yeah no that's i mean that's like the most The most perfect one, right? I mean, anytime you have a tech problem and you email support, right? What's the first thing they say? Did you turn it off and turn it back on, Mm -hmm. right? That's always like the first thing. And there's a bunch of other like little obvious things that we could do. I mean, I think it literally this applies in any area of life where you're asking a question. We've all asked those like dumb questions before. I mean, I remember one time calling my dad. God, I feel like an idiot. I remember one time calling him. My truck wouldn't start. I'm like losing it. Wait, 30 minutes trying to get my truck to start. I don't know what's going on. So I call dad and he's like, well, uh, did you check the battery? Yeah. check the battery. Uh, did you do it? You know, And starts. We just list all this stuff off and I'm checking everything. And, um, he finally goes, did you, he's like, I, I know, I'm sure you probably checked this, but did you make sure the trucks in park, Right. And it wasn't, <laughs> I, I had jumped in the truck But i had kind of like let it slip down into neutral. So I'd like pulled the gear shift down into neutral and the truck won't crank unless you're in park. And so I sure enough, just shoved that gear shift back up into park truck fires right up. And I was like, wow, I'm an idiot.
0: (laughs) Funny things like that. I know, but it is hard in the moment to think of the obvious thing.
1: But yeah. And so I think what I like about Nate's first suggestion here, right? Just actually take five minutes to generate a bunch of examples of where this has happened to you in the past. And, the nice thing about it is if you actually take time to think about examples, the next time you're in a situation like that, you can actually remember this tip. Like this is the starting of building this habit. The, like literally every time my trunk, my truck has ever not cranked now, um, the first thing I do is I check if I'm in park and that gear shift slips down. And so sometimes that's that's all it is. And so if you can take take a few moments to actually think about it, the next time you're in a similar situation, you're much more likely to remember to actually do the obvious thing.
0: Totally. Do you want to cover the second one for us?
1: Yeah. So the, the second tip he has is to close your eyes and visualize yourself facing a new decision in as much concrete detail as possible, and then practice thinking, oh, wait, let me list off the obvious things before proceeding. I like this one as well because it's, again, it's sort of a corollary, right? Like, Now we, instead of imagining the past, we can like think about maybe some new decisions that we might make in the future. We can probably all come up with decisions that maybe even we've been, you know, mulling over. You and I, for example, have been considering selling the Airstream, right? And it would probably be helpful for us to maybe close our eyes and visualize someone making us an offer on the Airstream and then us going, okay, before I just jump in and say yes or no, let me list off the the obvious of like what would make this a good decision or what would make this a bad decision? What would make me, sort of think through this, right? Rather than just jumping based on uh, whatever I feel in the moment. Mm -hmm. And
0: then his third kind of action step is to train yourself to notice decision points better. And he recommends doing that by buying like a tally counter and then tracking your decisions and giving yourself positive reinforcement like every time you notice like a decision point. We liked all of those action steps. And we were kind of just talking that for us, the way that we can kind of do those things and make them stick was kind of through like, you know, a journaling type model. And it it made me think of the Hugh Jackman episode, um, Tim Ferriss episode yep. that I love so much. And he he does it in like a looking forward kind of way. So he starts his day by writing out like the way he wants things to go. And so then he talks about how that puts him in the mindset to make things happen that way that day. So I think that you could, you could take that principle and do this like, okay, when I get into this situation that, that normally makes me feel very emotional or overwhelmed or whatever, I'm going to pause and I'm going to think about the obvious things like blah, 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 blah. And I'm going to act on those and not act on these things that are actually a terrible plan. Um, So I think doing it forward thinking is helpful. And then I also think that making a point when you have a scenario where you've done something and you feel like you didn't do the obvious thing and you did execute a terrible plan, take time to like write about that and like, OK, kind of what was going on in that situation? Why did I feel so overwhelmed or why was I not able to recognize like, oh, hey, this is a terrible plan. So just analyze all that and write it out for yourself, because I, I know, especially for me, that helps me ingrain it so that the next time i have a situation like that I it, it triggers me like oh this is like when such and such happened and i was not happy with how i handled that so how do i need to handle this differently
1: yeah for me whenever i'm trying to implement any kind of new habit practice thought uh emotional reinforcement whatever i try to just remind myself of that in the mornings when I'm journaling, right? So I, I have like a journaling routine where I write down a couple of things I'm grateful for and then I have a section of like, these are things I'm trying to be mindful of, right? And they'll they'll change and sometimes I'll have something I'm trying to be mindful of and that's my thing for six months. And then sometimes it's just my thing for a couple of weeks. But by writing that down every day of like, today, I want to be more mindful about pausing to ask myself what the obvious things are. Like, that's it. And if I, if I write that down every single morning as part of my sort of journaling routine, uh, I will actually, over time, maybe not the first day or the second day, but over time, I will get a lot more uh, conscious about doing this at the moment.
0: The other thing that I've heard you talk about that I know helps you... Um, is like setting a reminder on your phone, or yes. setting something as like the screensaver on your phone, so that you see that over and over again. Yep. I actually find that that doesn't help me that much because I just become like immune to it, and I don't pay any
1: attention to it. It's almost like um, like they've been proven to show that ads in certain places on computer screens don't even get seen anymore because. Humans have trained themselves that that part of the screen is just advertising, and they don't even look at it. Like when they're on <laughs> Facebook or something like that. Yeah, it's like we tune it out. I can see that.
0: Yeah, so that one helps you, but again, you know, isn't that helpful for me? But
1: yeah, so those are just some ways to again. If this is if this is a practice that you're thinking about wanting to implement, those are some ways to maybe start building that that habit into your actual life.
0: We wanted to bring this full circle by talking through some specific finance examples that came to mind when we read this article. Do you want to get us started on the first one?
1: Yeah. So hopefully this has started making you think about different ways this applies. But uh, one of the ways this applies in finance is the in the moment sort of impulse shopping and purchasing, right? If you can visualize the last time you bought something that you actually regretted and analyze what led to that decision, right what what happened on that day who were you with how were you feeling um were you you know optimistic were you pessimistic were you sad were you happy and then where were you like were you at a store were you on your phone what was going on and then the next time you're considering making some sort of impulse purchase how can you ask yourself hey What's going on right now? And what are the obvious things that I should be thinking about or taking note of before actually buying this thing?
0: An example that I'll give here is I used to go shopping a lot with like my mom and like aunts and grandma. Like we would all go together. And I might try something on, look at it and be like, uh, this is okay, but I don't really want it. I don't think. And then they would look at it and be like, Oh, that fits you great. You should totally get that, you know, whatever. And so I'd kind of be swayed into getting it. And then I would never wear it because when I would get home and put it on, I didn't feel good in it or whatever. And so it's like, okay, what's the obvious thing in this situation? If I put something on and my initial reaction is like, eh, it's just okay. Don't even show it to people. Like just...
1: Just, Just be done. Count that
0: one out. Yeah. <laughs> but that was something that I used to find myself like doing a lot. And I remember noticing that like, okay, when am I buying these things that I get home and then I don't want to wear them? And and it was kind of that recurring situation.
1: One for me would be, this is actually one, I guess I was lucky to learn this pretty early on, but I have a problem or a tendency to want to buy uh, tools or tech, if you will, to improve my skill set in whatever hobby or endeavor I have at the time. I've gotten a lot better about this, actually, even before we met. But in high school, I was really bad about this, where I was always like trying to look for that next guitar pedal that would change my sound just a little bit, and I could sound you know even more like the people that I looked up to. Uh, I was constantly looking for the best strings, the best picks, the best guitar, the best whatever amp pedal board, you name it. I was looking for the latest and greatest gear to try to make me sound better. And, you know, looking back, I can recognize that in those situations, whenever I'm like, Ooh, I need to purchase this. I need to back up and say, okay, hold up. Why am I purchasing this? I'm purchasing this because I want to be better at guitar. I want to sound better. Okay. What's the obvious things that I could do to sound better and be better at guitar. Okay. Well, the first one would just be simply practice more, get off the internet and looking at pedals and just practice the guitar. The second thing would be like asking my friends who play guitar what has helped them get better, which is also probably going to be practicing more and looking at certain books or listening to certain people. And like buying a pedal is going to be like number 18 on the list of actually getting better at guitar. You know, since then, I've gotten much better where I'm not nearly as bad at buying gear for hobbies that I don't actually need when I should just be practicing the hobby. Yeah. So that kind of brings us um, to the second thing when you actually do want to buy something. So where this comes in handy is whenever you want to save up for something and you're thinking, oh, I'd like to, I'd like to save up and buy that. Okay, great. So let's pause and let's list off all the obvious things that you could do to start the process of saving for that car. Down payment, new toy, vacation, new clothing wardrobe, whatever. If you have something in your mind that you're wanting to save for, let's list off all the obvious things that you could do to actually start saving for that. Again, it sounds sounds so obvious, right? (laughs) Like people say, I've always dreamed of going on that vacation. I've always wanted a car like that. I've always wanted to insert whatever. Okay, well, if that's true, what are some obvious things that we could do to start working towards that? Totally.
0: I think this one is especially important, too, if you maybe are earlier on kind of in the budgeting process and you're yes. you're just um, kind of starting to think about all this. Um, Because the same way that they talk about like baby gains in um, strength Mm -hmm. training, you know, Mm -hmm. I think about when we first started budgeting and it was so easy to find places to cut that we really didn't miss, you know, like when we way downgraded our phones and um, cut out cable and replaced it with like Netflix and all of those little things that can really add up totally um, every month and and we were able to do those things and not miss them at all, basically. But as we got further into the budgeting process, I remember us reaching the point where we were like, man, there's not a lot of fluff in our budget anymore where we can just easily slash stuff down.
1: Which is good. Like it's, it means that you're using your money efficiently. If you're, if you're at a point where there's not a lot that you can cut without feeling real pain, well, that means you're actually probably using your money pretty efficiently towards the things that you care about, but you're totally right. Um, at some point, the, the the cutting side of the equation becomes not as useful.
0: Yeah, and and so then you get into the you know things like making more money and all that stuff, which leads into our next one. Like when you are thinking about making more money, um, what are what are the obvious things that you should think about? And the first one that we said was we should think about why we want more money in the first place, um, mm-hmm. and that kind of plays into defining when enough is enough you know I think we've all heard and we've certainly all seen celebrities where it's like they basically have unlimited money and they're still unsatisfied and have like terrible lives and it's like what are they missing a lot of people never define like what it is that they're working towards and so they never know when they get there and like your lifestyle just creeps up creeps up creeps up creeps up and you're never satisfied and you're never content. And so thinking about why do I actually want money and like, what is it that I'm working towards so that you know when you get there?
1: Yeah. I love this one because it works for both answers to the question. So some people, if they would pause and step back and say, wait, wait, why am I trying to make more money here? They would actually recognize that the trade-off that they'll have to make to make that more money is not worth it. And they'll stop and they'll quit pursuing it, right? Uh, I recently had a client who just took a new job and they're the first weekend, and they're already going like, ooh, I might've made a mistake on this one. I'm not sure that this new job, and new role and this demand is worth it, right? And what they should have done is paused and asked this question, wait a second, why am I trying to do this? So this question is great for those people who it's gonna make them go, actually, I don't think I wanna make more money. I think I'm just gonna keep doing what I'm doing. It's also great for people who actually do. So me and you were in this situation. I started working a ton of overtime in 2015 and 2016. And the reason that I wanted to make more money was so that we could save up and buy an RV and, you know, hit the road and do all that kind of stuff. So asking that question of like, wait a second, why am I trying to make more money again? Was really helpful because now... It gave me some real clarity on what it was we're trying to do. And it helped keep me motivated during those long weeks of lots of overtime for the light at the end of the tunnel and what it was that I was trying to accomplish. So I think it helps on both ends.
0: I agree. So if you find yourself in that situation where you're like, okay, I know why I want to make more money and I actually do want to make more money. Then the next obvious question that we talked about was, okay, how can I do that in a way that increases the quality of my life instead of making it miserable? So it's kind of like you talked about, like with your client who took the job and then was instantly like, ooh, the quality of my life is like way lower. I have more money, but. I don't like my life. Yep. You don't want to find yourself in that situation.
1: Not at all. And then um, the other one I liked here was so uh, another recent sort of client story was we we just did this exercise this was a few weeks ago and he was like man I you know I got some goals coming up just some different trips and things and uh, really would like to to uh, to make some more money so it was like great let's just start brainstorming what are some ways that uh, we could do that and within about five minutes. He had remembered all of these things. It was like, oh, actually like two friends still owe me some gas money from a recent trip we took. I need to just Venmo them or I need to just text them and ask for the Venmo. Uh, Also, uh, I have this insurance medical claim that I just need to follow. I need to call them back, but the insurance company still owes me some money. Uh, I have a client that I haven't billed that I need to send an invoice for. And then I also had bought some clothes that don't fit. And I just need to actually go to the post office and return those so that I can get my money back. And it was like, all of a sudden, we had you know a few hundred dollars probably. It was just like, boom, quick money that he was actually owed that would be helpful towards some of the goals that we were trying to meet. Now that's not long-term ongoing money, but that was like some great initial immediate money. One of the other ways that you know I always encourage people to do is selling stuff. Especially if you've been in the same apartment or house for years, the the more stationary you've been with your living, the more stuff you probably have accumulated and the more stuff you probably have that you don't actually use that you could take a few minutes to list on eBay and sell. I try to get in the habit of regularly doing, you know, I've sold camera lenses, I've sold old, especially old hobby stuff, right? I've sold climbing shoes, I've sold climbing gear, I've sold backpacks, all kinds of stuff. And so... Before you even go down the road of like, do I need to change jobs or start a side hustle? Let's just start with the super obvious things of like, what are some quick ways I could make money just sitting around that are easy to grab that I haven't even really thought about?
0: Totally. And then the last one that that we were kind of thinking of is I want to improve my finances. Okay. What's the most obvious way that you can improve your finances? And it's what everybody talks about. Everybody knows it. You increase your savings. You decrease your spending. Okay. Like that's obvious. But then you have to go that next step and say, okay, how do I make sure that I'm doing those obvious things? And Nick would be like, obviously you track it. So, and you You know, that's, yeah, totally. And that's where we, um, I mean, we tell the story of how we started using YNAB all the time of, you know, you getting frustrated with me because I wasn't following the budget and me getting frustrated with you because I could only see the budget on your laptop. And it's like, OK, well, obviously that's not going to work. So like, what's the obvious solution to this? You know, like, oh, let's yeah. get something that we can both have easy access to.
1: It's so obvious in hindsight. And, and what's funny about that story, too, is like we were literally living in different cities at that point. You know, mm-hmm. you were you were eight weeks at an internship thing in Ohio. And so, yeah, it was ridiculous for me to be like, hey, why are you not uh, sticking to the grocery category? so
0: but also I never came to you and said hey will you get something that I can also see like we just we just wasted I, w- I would like to know how much time we wasted like just being frustrated with each other <laughs> in that instead of <laughs> taking a step back and going like what's the obvious solution what's the obvious way for us to improve our finances right now
1: yeah you know this whole episode uh, every time we say obviously I just think of professor Snape Harry Potter saying obviously. Uh and you know, I really like Professor Snape. And uh, you know what else I like? Stuff we like.
0: I am liking Dick Sporting Goods warehouse locations. So I think that's what they call them. Um, but there is a new one close to my parents' house. Didn't even know this was a thing.
1: What is it? It's a where? It's not a normal Dick Sporting Goods. No,
0: no, no. It's like the outlet version or something. I guess. Okay. Um, And so stuff is, you know, discounted and you walk in and I mean, it feels like a discount store when you walk in. So it's it's not like,
1: like they're normal.
0: No, it's like pared down. And then a lot of it is out of season stuff like past season, you know, but There's a new Dick Sporting Goods where my parents live. And so the old location has been converted into like this warehouse sale thing. And we thought it was just temporary until they like got rid of old inventory or whatever. But it's actually a permanent thing. And I went there for the first time today. And I was looking around and at first I didn't really find anything because I mean, it was good stuff. And if it was stuff that I was going to buy anyways, it would be a good deal on it. But you know, it's the expensive athletic brands, so it still like wasn't cheap. So yeah. um, I just wasn't in the market for any of it today. But as I was walking out the door, I saw this pair of Carrie Underwood's like Kalia brand, some of her. <laughs> Pants from that line on the mannequin, and I was like, "Oh, I didn't see those pants in there." So I started trying to like look and find a tag on the mannequin. I couldn't find one, so I was like, "Okay, well, I think I know what rack those would be on." And so I'm just gonna run back there and look at that rack and just double check the price on them. I find them, and they are marked a dollar ninety seven, which makes me think of Liza Koshi a dollar. But I was like, <laughs> a I was dollar, yeah. So obviously. I scoured the rag and bought all three pairs that they had because they were $1.97. <laughs> so now I'm going to be wearing like the same pair of pants every day.
1: Well, and these are like, uh, these are normally what, like $40 pants, $50 no, pants?
0: $65 pants.
1: Oh, so, so yeah, there you go.
0: I'm definitely liking Dick's Sporting Goods Warehouse.
1: Warehouses. Sale $1.97. whatever they are. Uh, all right. Let me go ahead and uh, get a summary in here. So the, uh, the big takeaway today is... When you find yourself making a decision, be it financial or otherwise, try your best to pause, detach, and ask yourself, what are some obvious things here that I could either do or what are some obvious uh, things that I should think about that might impact my decision one way or another? And then the corollary being, especially when you find yourself in the heat of the moment or stepping into emotion asking yourself, hold up, wait a second, what's the obvious thing to avoid? What is the terrible thing that I should try to avoid doing? And is this a terrible path or plan that I'm currently on? So take that and try to build that into your life, try to build that into your habits and routines. And uh, before you make decisions, just pause and coach yourself a little bit and ask yourself, what's the obvious that you should think about? And then actually go and execute those obvious things. As always, we will have the links to this article, that Jocko um, Detach YouTube video, and everything else in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.